We're in business to save the planet, and we use making clothes to do that. The cure for depression is action. Every one of us has to step up and do what you can according to what your resources are. That was the voice of Patagonia's Yvonne Chouinard, and you are listening to Type 2, a podcast from Looking Sideways in association with Patagonia that explores the intersection between the outdoors, action sports and activism. In each show, I've been meeting people who are using their passion and involvement with the cultures we all love to create change. We've been discussing the issues they're involved in, the change they're seeking to create, the difficulties involved and the rewards that follow. This week's episode is a special double header with my friends Lewis Arnold and Chris Nelson, two absolute stalwarts of the UK surf community who for the last three years have been working hard on their investigative film The Big Sea. And it really is an extraordinary piece of work. I was lucky enough to see it as uh, part of my jury duties at the London Surf Film Festival last month. Um, It isn't out yet and I also saw it at a special preview show at the festival where I actually did a live on-stage Q&A with uh, Chris and Lewis. Um, And really, the Big C is an investigation of surfing's dirty little secret, as they put it, the surf industry's relationship with neoprene. Neoprene, the commercial name for chloroprene rubber, is the product of a toxic carcinogenic chemical process. And it's primarily produced by a company called Denka in one factory in the predominantly black and low-income community of St. John, Louisiana. This factory emits levels of chloroprene that the EPA has found to be carcinogenic and which is so deadly to the local community that the area has become known as Cancer Alley. Shocking enough, you might say, uh, and the big C is many things. It is a shocking environmental documentary. It's a cold-eyed juxtaposition of surfing's public image with this shabby truth. It's an investigation into issues of uh, the socio-economic factors that have led to this situation. And really, it's an exploration of the hidden hypocrisies that prop up our lives in the West with surfing's relationship with neoprene, one metaphor for this wider reality. On another level as well, it's an exploration of activism in its many forms, from the dogged fight for justice headed up by local St. John Parish campaigners such as protagonist Robert Taylor, to Chris and Lewis's own independent efforts to bring this story to light over many years in the face of uh, industry indifference and suspicion. As such, as you might expect, this film has the power to really reframe the conversation around surfing environmentalism and drive real tangible change in a way that's going to benefit real people in real communities. No Wonder Surfers Against Sewage co-founder Chris Hines called it probably the most focused 50 minutes of environmental and social campaigning by surfers ever. As you can tell, I was blown away by this film. To me, it's a really, really important document Um, And I do think it's going to drop a bomb in the surf industry, to be honest, and it's really going to make consumers think about the choices that they make and their use of neoprene. I especially admire the way Lewis and Chris have marshaled the disparate threads that I just described into what is a really elegant and impactful 50-minute film. And as soon as I saw it, I decided to chat to them for this episode of Type 2. So I went back up to London and uh, we sat down for this conversation. We talked about the entire thing, how they heard of the story, the three-year mission to bring it to life, what the entire saga says about surfing and our relationship to environmental issues, and what change they're hoping this film can inspire. You can also find out how you can help the duo finish the film and bring it to the wider audience it so richly deserves. This is a really important one. Um, I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you get behind the big C and support this uh, critical campaign. Thanks for listening. Here's me, Chris, and Lewis. Enjoy. Well, you must be pros after having, you know, having to do all those interviews. It's not, my, not my area. I just couldn't get by by the skin of my teeth. Yeah, but you you were saying that um, you you were nervous before yeah, the start, before yeah. the first preview. But now you've had a week to digest. So yeah. you, you and you were nervous because you because you think of how it ref, dis, like portrays surfing. Like so, because obviously in that cinema, there's like a. 200 people who are surfers who are consumers basically so you've got that audience and you've also got like the industry so were you expecting like a different reaction from both of those two sort of constituencies um yeah i mean there probably is like a demographic in there where we're kind of preaching to the converted a little bit um but you know there's a lot of different types of surfers and um a lot of there is going to be a lot of surfers who 
don't want to hear this. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, me personally, I didn't really want to hear it. Like, I'm quite protective over surfing. Um, so it feels a bit, like, counterintuitive to be, in a way, criticising surfing. Because you feel loyalty to, like, the culture almost. Yeah, like, I, it's surfing's, like, given me a lot in my life. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I don't like people who dip in and out of surfing. I don't like people who, in my opinion, like misappropriate surfing. Sure. And, you know, greenwash themselves through surfing. Like, when I see, like, a brand that's got nothing to do with surfing, like, someone advert for a perfume the other day, <laughs> and they're like, like, that's the, I don't have a telly, and that's the reason I don't have a telly, you know what I mean? Because I just wanted to, it just, like, the surfing was terrible as well. I can't remember what it was, but... Like a, a, trying to sell perfume at Christmas and getting some guy who can hardly surf, yeah, to look cool, sound safe, and so I, you know. Well, I, so I mean, it, it's interesting because obviously growing up, we're all like similar age. Like when you get into this in the eighties, I mean, whether it's skateboarding, surfing, or snowboarding, you are that protective of it because of the value, you know, because it's a subculture that you you're proud to be part of, right? So yeah. is there, it was a bit of that going on with with what you're talking about. Yeah, totally. I mean. The people I surf with now and photograph now in my, like, surf zone, they weren't the people I started surfing with. You know, everyone I started surfing with just fell by the wayside for whatever reason, you know right. what I mean? So, like, then I end up surfing on my own, and then I got to know, like, Jesse, he ended up, like, not surfing on his own, but he was doing a different thing to Gabe. So, you know... <sighs> It's like a sort of disparate bunch of kind of loners have all got together. Yeah. And, you know, I, like like I said before, you know, I don't... I'm not into people who, like, d surf for the wrong reasons or yeah. what I perceive to be the wrong reasons, you know? Like, you know, like, it. the people I started surfing with when I was a young kid were, like, they were kind of doing it for the image. Right. As it turned out, you know, so, like... And as soon as it becomes a little bit tricky and like real life, like jobs and partners and family and stuff gets in the way. Yeah. They all like bend it off, you know? Right. So, you know, and that sort of engendered like a sort of like a real sort of, well, like it, like it's, it's part, like it's a real deep part of my life, you know? Yeah. And I do feel a bit prickly when uh, I see people trying to like, use surfing in what I perceive to be the wrong way and that is what really got under my skin about this story is the state the president's statement from Danka and he's saying like Danka performance elastomers they enrich people's lives through wetsuits made of neoprene and you know that they are deliberately using surfing to like legitimize what they're doing to the public yeah to industry and to politicians they don't mention surfing you know like I've I got a document the other day and I was reading it and there's no mention of neoprene like wetsuits or anything like that yeah it's all about chloroprene yeah so um, you know it's it just really sort of resonated with me this story and, it, and a lot of it like as you've sort of picked up on is because of my surfing background yeah. Did you have a similar thing, Chris? When you when you sort of started looking into the story, did you did you also have a, have this sort of struggle with that that Lewis is describing? I did. I was. I mean, I was really shocked by it first of all, um, because it's not a story. It's not an invisible story. It's been quite a high profile story, and it's a story that's been in, in the real Guardian. World, you mean, yeah. It's it's been in so many you know on so many levels disseminated through the news yeah but i don't think anyone had really made a connection because it had all been about the pollution and it had all been about the victims yeah no one had talked about the product and i think lewis picked up on the fact that the product was neoprene yeah and therefore it impacted surfers and so when we first spoke about it i first of all i couldn't believe it because I think we all know that, you know, neoprene isn't the greatest of substances that we're yeah. using. But I think we all were kind of fooling ourselves by thinking, well, it yes, it's a petrochemical, but, and yes, it can't be recycled, but 
but this was a story that were, had such a horrendous impact. Yeah. And I was I was just shocked by the fact that nobody within the surf industry had picked up on that. So when you say um because it because it was a big expose in the in the mainstream press, wasn't it? Like there's was a big Guardian thing, which is in the film, you know. And essentially, the story is just to summarize very quickly. I might just paraphrase quickly if people are, are unfa- I mean, it'll be in the intro of this podcast, but just to just to summarize. And this is how I've been describing it to friends because I watched the film. Obviously, I've seen it twice now, and I was perplexed, troubled, you know, like gobsmacked, annoyed, angry. You know, like all these things, and you saw that in the reaction in the cinema as well, which I think we'll get onto. Like, there was a, I felt there was like quite a lot of palpable anger in the room, you know, from people who've obviously felt hoodwinked. And when I've been describing it to people this week, because I've been like, "Fuck me, I've seen this film," you know, and it's like you're going to want to see this. Like, and everyone's like, "What? What's it about?" And I'm like, "Well, basically, near there's two factories in the world that make neoprene. There's one in Louisiana." Um, and there's one in Japan. The one in Japan makes limestone neoprene, which by all accounts, and I think we'll get into this as well, is, is a greenwashy term, right? To put it mildly. Um, neoprene is the kind of consumer name for, what? how do you say it, Chris? Uh, chloroprene rubber. Chloroprene rubber, yeah. which is all produced in one factory in Louisiana, essentially. Yes. And that, any neoprene product in the world is made of this substance, all comes from that place. The... Um, county I guess that this is that this is in this factory has one of the highest rates of cancer in the states is it yeah do you want to well Mike share in detail yeah it's uh, census tract I think it's 708 it's like um, 1.9 square miles and for some reason it's got the worst cancer rates in um, America yeah so obviously that's really bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know, mean this I, this this place it's in it's in cancer alley which is you know like it's a hundred i think it's a hundred miles five miles wide along the banks of the mississippi there's like nearly 200 um huge like chemical plants oil refineries that kind of thing there yeah uh so it's there's a lot of pollution there um but as far as uh, cancer and other sort of really serious illnesses, there's a real sort of black spot and uh, like a real sort of epicenter, and that is this tiny um, census tract, which just happens to be on the fence line of Dupont Denker. So it's like the worst bit of the worst bit by a long way. Yeah. So the top line story is that the production of this this substance that makes the wetsuits that we primarily surf in yeah is contributing to massive rates of illness amongst real people in america who who have obviously got nothing to do with with the the subculture that we all take part in yeah, so it's causing it it's, it's more than contributing to it i'd say it's like directly causing it so obviously that's a problem and and you yeah so i mean I imagine people listen to this that are just coming into this kind of cold and are, are a bit like, what? <laughs> you know, like, because that, that's certainly, and I imagine that's what you two were, were like, right? So as I understand it then, so Lewis, you, you first came across this story, right? And did you come across it from these kind of mainstream news reports that we're, that we're talking about, this kind of wider expose of this, this situation? Yeah, totally. I mean, like, um, I used to work in mainstream media and a colleague, worked at the guardian um and she knew that i was a surfer and she just like sent it over have you seen this and that was it really right um and then i um i spoke to uh gabe about it um because i knew they were using ulex or starting to use ulex to gabe's obviously gabe davis, gabe davis yeah. surf kind of category manager at patagonia isn't he yeah i think, he, I think he'd just started there yeah he would have just started there then and you go way back with gabe obviously from yeah, the northeast yeah. he used to ride for quicksilver yeah a long time so um and he and he said yeah yeah um it might be something that you could look into that's what you said and at the time I was studying for a master's and I wanted something like quite meaty to base my master's on right and so I like decided to go and see what was going on so you, so you went over there and, and yeah. this and so this is just you on your own just yeah. like okay I'm just gonna and did you have any 
plan beyond that or was it just like I'm just going to go and sort of check out what's going on uh, well no I wanted to photograph it and make a film about it but you know um, just as a not in the in the form that this the big C is it was more of a um, an artistic statement about it if you like right um, I was studying it people like you know there's loads of photographers that have done thing about, things about like Monsanto and yeah. things like that and I, it was more of a sort of like a an art project not like the sort of newsy element the documentary element was missing and okay. uh, but I managed to do it and I brought it back and I uh, submitted it to um, to the London Surf Film Festival as as was and uh, didn't hear anything back for a while <laughs> and then eventually Chris got in touch and um, you know saying like he liked what I'd done but he didn't really think I'd kind of done the story justice there right. was loads of like assumed knowledge in it and I was just it wasn't like backed up with facts particularly it was um, you know like if it's art you kind of can't really get sued for that that easily do you know what I mean so sure it was a lot looser and a lot um, you know just not as well thought out it was a bit of a like a a hand grenade like some bits are still in there and a lot of the ethos of the film that original film a lot of that's been retained but um, it's a far more coherent and um, impactful film now so when so you went over there initially on your own like and did because the thing that strikes me about this film and we talked about this last week when we were doing the q and a is like the number of themes in it essentially because obviously we've we've and I kind of mentioned this in the q and a like you've got the theme that I just described, which is like the surf story, then you've got the mainstream guardian angle, if you like, which is the the, the sociological, then you've got like the kind of race element to it, which you cover in the film, you've got the socio economic element you've got this like through line from like slavery, Jim Crow it's a massive topic, you know, then you've got the kind of surf industry greenwashing so many layers to it and i think the thing that i said to you last week was i'm so impressed how you've got all that into 45 minutes but when you first went over them was that was that where you started to lewis like discern the number of threads to this story because i imagine when you first start start trying to get your head around this it's like well, where do you start you know especially as, as an independent filmmaker who's just kind of going on there on their own coin i mean it's not like you were backed is it by anyone no but um you know I'm a f- I'm a photojournalist really so it's yeah. just a case of getting on the phone and as soon as I got to sit down with some of the residents there particularly this this chap Robert Taylor who is um a force of nature even at like I think he'd be like 80 now um once I got his confidence and he told me the situation as he saw it then um you know that kind of all all the stuff beyond surfing became apparent yeah like i i'm not clued up in american history particularly um you know he's the 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 changes in america that he's seen and that he told us about you know um he like unveiled all those aspects that that you've described you know yeah and it it was incredible when i talked about surfing you know, he was just like, like he hadn't put, he he, he hadn't connected those no, dots. not at all, not at all, because it's so far removed from his lifestyle. You know, yeah. And weirdly, there there are there is surf in there. There's like Poncher Island. It's not that far away. It's like, like a few hours drive. You can go surfing in the, that. Like, I, 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 I never went because there was no surf, but there is like a little surf community nearby. Right. Um, but that's like a total white thing. The um, I don't know. It was just, just really like rewarding to be, to get that insight, particularly from Robert. Yeah, because he's like, like I'd never met anyone like him. You know, like it was really daunting for me. You know, like to go over there. I bet. Um, but it was like a complete eye opener, and I thought this is this is like 
like the journalist in me was just thinking this is like a really good story yeah and these characters like often you get a good story but no one will talk about it yeah but this like they were like like so good at talking about it they're so affected by it so like like they're being let down so much they were so angry about it but still so like sort of coherent and dignified and like clued up about it and they're you know prepared to fight like even at like He's an elderly guy, you know, and he was coordinating this big, um, like, a, a, a great example of activism. Yeah. And um, it was, you know, it still is, you know, like, I, he hasn't seen the film yet. Right. And now he has got his head around it, you know. They, they sort of, when I first talked, said, listen, I'm a surfer, he was like, well, what's that got to do with anything? Right. And I explained to him. And... Uh, they're, they're so like they've been they've been let down so much through the correct channels trying to fight this that it was almost like okay well maybe that is maybe maybe targeting or letting the consumers know the the, the people who are consuming the products that are killing us letting them know about it maybe that will change it Cause yeah because I guess from sorry to jump in but I guess from their point of view when you try to raise it I imagine from the way you convey it in the film obviously they've they've done the classic sort of thing where they've gone to the company and they've gone to the, they've gone to government and mm. they've tried they've, they've tried to go down the legal route right mm. they've tried to effectively hurt them that way mm-hmm. you know and by the sound of it been like massively gaslighted you know basically told their trouble causes that there's no problem in the classic corporate malfeasance way you know like oh nothing to see here you know they're gonna they're gonna put all their resources behind it and yeah i can totally see like how you would have come along and gone well actually there's this whole group of people that have just got nothing to do with your world that are benefiting from this essentially you know like yeah that that is that isn't another way for them to express their activism isn't it um and chris like one of the things that struck me about you were really you, you had a real good rallying cry last week because you know obviously when people in the room like I say were 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 pretty wound up and you were like but surfing has the capacity to change this because if we can harness this you know anger and and upset that everyone in here is feeling and I think most right thinking people when they see this film and they understand this story are going to be like this is just not right you know um you you know you were quite positive about surfing's you know this is a cha- you were almost like this is a chance for surfing to put his money where his mouth is essentially you know in in try to change this i think the thing for us is you know lewis and i went back a second time and when you sit in a room with somebody and they tell you their story and they tell you about how many members of their family they've lost to cancer or how many of their members of their family have got an autoimmune disease that the doctors have said is probably caused by their exposure to this chloroprene, these chloroprene emissions. It 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 makes you quite angry, and you come away and you go, "I just want to drop a bomb on the surf industry." Yeah, because there's people have obviously some people have known about this, you know, in the industry and have ignored it. But at the same time, you know that consumers can drive this change because. You know, we all watch these programs, these documentaries about environmental horrors, and at the end, you can be quite depressed because it can be like, well, what can we do? Yeah. But I guess the the good thing about this story is there is an alternative that is out there, and that is natural rubber. Yeah. Which and and Luce and I have spoken to so many people in the industry, and they have all said that Ulex is as good as neoprene now. I mean, it's taken a while to get there, but it is as good as a neoprene wetsuit. Therefore, there is an alternative. So, as consumers, we need to be pushing the brands to use that. Yeah, you know, and I and I I felt from the film there was quite a groundswell amongst the people who were there. Oh, for sure, like a willingness to do that. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that struck me, Lewis, as well, because I think we—I'm not sure if it was when we were chatting afterwards. It's almost like a willing ignorance ignorance in the industry, you know, like and that that is obviously a very challenging idea that the surf industry, which is very, very good these days at marketing itself as a green entity, as 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 a concerned entity in this conversation, 
has had this dirty secret essentially going on and I think you would uh, did I did I imagine this or were you saying that you know they don't even know where like some of the materials come from like they don't you know there's the, the if the provenance of some of these products there's almost like a willful ignorance about it you know like, like outside out of mind is am I, am I kind of on the right track there is that something that you that you found when you were researching this yeah you, you're definitely on the right track there um it became like we we got access to people in the industry um like really easily who are in control of creating a lot of wetsuits and um, I I was surprised that we got that access Um, and they were quite like loose lipped you know and they told us we already knew this to be fair but they told us that they had they did know about this issue Um, but you know they they didn't really they, they hadn't felt empowered to do anything about it really because of the bean counters within their companies so like it's you know chloroprene rubber is at least 65% of a wetsuit so it's it's um, they haven't thought of changing that but like the liners and stuff like that and the zips and the threads they can change all that and recycle all that and brag about all that but the the bit that's actually sort of linked to environmental racism in a really bad way they haven't they haven't thought about changing they um and it became like apparent that we had conversations where i was saying well do you do you know what what this is doing do you know where this comes from and they were going no no we don't get it from there and i goes oh i think you do actually and they goes no no you don't and it like it just was it it became apparent that we after like you know, not that much research. We knew more about their supply chain than they did, and this, these are big companies we're talking about. It was, um, you know, it was something after we interviewed Chris Hines. Um, he he was t- talking about it, and he changed my thinking of it. Like I was kind of thinking, oh, you know, surfing's been taken for a ride here, but really, surfing's known about it. It hasn't. It so surfing hasn't been getting taken for a ride. Surfing's just been putting its head in the sand and like companies like car companies which I'd assumed would be terrible for the environment and terrible you know polluters they are actually changing you know with electric cars and stuff like that they are like open to change and trying to improve things and Chris Hines said you know like like tech companies and stuff they know every little component and the sort of where that's come from the impact of that because they don't want to have anything in their computer or laptop or whatever that, you know, if they can help it, that's not polluting. But surf companies, they've just, like, since the 70s, they haven't done anything. You know, there's been, like, other than the natural rubber that's around now through Ulex, there's been no, like, initiatives because there hasn't needed to be. Like, I know neoprene is good for what it does. Yeah, well, I mean, it works. Yeah, so, so, I mean, it's like, you know got amazing hasn't it really like performance wise but um they've known that it's like that it has that it's linked to environmental racism that essentially it's causing the deaths of like black people in louisiana and that's that's the fact of it you know you can't and and they sort of they've just put profit ahead of that knowingly and if they say they don't know, I would dispute that because I, I've been told from people, I've been told by people who've told them. Yeah. So, you know, and they admit they know, but they've just decided not to do it, just to gloss over it. And yeah. it's just like, like new brands starting, like selling, it's like perverse, you know, like, like selling like. Ex- super expensive new wetsuits now starting brands now using neoprene and um, I just you know I just it's it's just like a really distressing situation but it's just I don't know I just think it's, it needs to be like 
I, I'm not here really to tell anyone like what to buy or anything. That's not like not my. You know, I've got no right to do that. But as a journalist, I have got the right to like get the facts out there. Like I've surfed for a long time. I've had loads of wetsuits that have come from there. Yeah. But I wouldn't have bought them if I'd known about this. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know. And the surf industry, it is. Um, there's a lot of people in the surf industry who were good surfers and they got jobs at surf companies and they've like they're from the sort of heyday where like environmental issues might not have been um spoken about or considered even you know but times have changed you know yeah and they sort of haven't yeah yeah so that's why one it was easy to research and two um it's been allowed to happen i think you know yeah i mean one thing i will say and Chris, I'd, I'd be interested to know what you think about this. Like we, when we were, um, you've pitched it pretty inclusively still, you know, like, cause editorially you, you used the phrase earlier, like you want to drop a grenade on the industry or a bomb on the industry or whatever, but you haven't really done that in the film. You know, like you've, you've not, you've not, it's actually not as overt the criticism in the film as perhaps it's coming across in this conversation, which is, I think is fine for this purposes. And I'm really interested in that editorial choice because I think one of the themes of this podcast is the need to bring people with you when you have these conversations, you know, like if you're gonna, if you're gonna try and especially consumers, you know, like a big part of this debate that we're having right now is, is, you know, basically consumers, if they're going to make a difference, often have to make a choice and and that choice can appear to be detrimental to them, to their self-interest. I mean, that's, that's a huge argument that the, you know, the fossil fuel industry will make, for example, so you've pitched this quite carefully, I think, because you've 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 certainly put the criticisms in there, but you've not beat people around the head with it. You know, you you've you've kind of juxtaposed it with beautiful footage of surfing, like the 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 you know the the quotes and the conversations with people. It's very powerfully put, and it's inarguable, but it's not like a rant, you know. So that mm. that was a conscious choice, I assume. Yeah, because I think. You want people to watch the film, but then weigh up the facts, you know, and, and come to their own conclusion. Um, I think, you know, there's there's a lot of strands to the story that we wanted to weave in. <clears throat> um, and we wanted people to come away and, and, and make their own choice, you know, and I think we didn't want it to be preachy. We didn't want it to be, you know, try and blow up the industry. Um, but we did want to point out what was happening and also point out a lot of the greenwashing that there is around surfing. I mean, one of the things that we're just doing now on the post-production side is, you know, covering all the legals. And one of one aspect of that is going to the surf brands and offering them a right of reply where they've been directly referenced in the film. Um, <coughs> and you you kind of get a real sense of that in that the main thread of the film is there is a company, Denker, that produces neoprene in Louisiana and in Japan, you know, chloroprene rubber. And whether the surf brands are buying from, directly from Cancer Alley, which is a hideous thought, or they're buying from the Denker branch in Japan, they're still buying from the company Denker. Yeah. And Denker is the company that runs the plant in Cancer Alley. So whichever way, surfing is tied to Cancer Alley. And just approaching surf brands and saying to them, do you directly or indirectly source your chloroprene rubber from Denker? The replies you get back are just hidden in these, in all this kind of fluffy language where they go, we source responsibly our neoprene from japan yeah you know and you and then you go back to them and go that's not what i asked you yeah like the politicians yes kind of response and you go but you're a surf brand yeah you know so if if the gig's up and ultimately you are buying your chloroprene rubber from denker whether it's japan or louisiana they need to put their hands up and go you know what yes we have been doing that and either we knew about it sorry you know we're going to change or we didn't know about that but i mean that's a 
it's a bit of a stretch to say, you know, we are a, a multi-million pound, billion pound company and we don't know where we source our materials from. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's many... It's just not how it works. I mean, it's not how it works. You know, you, 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 someone will be there with budgets and, and sourcing lists and, and I mean, knowing I mean, it. This is something that we've been looking at for, you know, two or three years, but you can go on the website of a lot of these surf brands and they will tell you where they get their materials from with a little bit of digging. And there are, you know, surf brands that directly say, we get our stuff from Denker. You know, you can you can find that out with not a lot of digging. So for them to turn around and try and pretend that they don't know where they get their materials from is, you know, it, it, it doesn't quite hold up, I don't think. Yeah, Lewis, you were going to say something there. Yeah, I mean, we've we've had we've spoke to people and they've said uh, we don't get our neoprene from there, and then they've come back and gone, oh, actually, yeah, we do. Yeah. So like, there there is a lot of like opacity in the mark in surfing in the industry about wetsuits, and like the provenance of a wetsuit, if you like. But um, and part of that is with the uh, the fact that Shaco make a lot of the wetsuits that everyone wears you know so like brands go well we don't get it off Denko we get it off Shaco but Shaco is like just the, the person who's putting together the wetsuit yeah you know it's not like they're not making the raw ingredients so you know there's a there's a lot of uh, like I'm quite cynical <laughs> believe it or not but there, there's a lot I never of, guessed there's a lot of um, <laughs> deliberate you know as mentioned in the film, smoke and mirrors. Yeah, you know what's well, marketing, isn't it? You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's 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 the name of the game, unfortunately. And there still is, like, since we've been making this film, I've noticed, like, you know, I devour surf media, like, you know, quite, a, you know, every surf mag I'm reading it and stuff, looking at adverts and seeing what's going on, and I've noticed like a shift in the language, like. It's quite rare now for a brand to even mention neoprene in an advert, you know. Right. So it's instead of just saying like, "Oh, it's a six-four neoprene suit," or just go it's a six-four. Yeah. It's like almost like like marketing departments have been told, "Whatever you say, don't say it's neoprene." What's remarkable how much you don't think about it. I mean, I I got a new wetsuit for this winter from a really well-known brand, and didn't even cross my mind to check you know i do own a ulex suit you know like which are which are surfing but this is a neoprene wetsuit didn't even cross my mind you know and i think almost because you know if i'm being really honest i think i've been worked on by the market to the point that i just assumed it was probably fine you know do you know what i mean like because because you are getting a lot of like primarily by a few brands that are responsible and that are trying to do the right thing that you feature in the film Patagonia being one, Finisterre being one. There are more, obviously. But because that tends to be the leading edge of the wetsuit conversation in the industry, you know, those alternatives, I think there's, I think probably I've personally, and I imagine a lot of people have been quite guilty of of thinking like, I will probably, this is all now all right. You know what I mean? Like, um, so, and that's, that's obviously, you know, I guess what my, the point I'm making is like that, I wonder if like that kind of, th- trap of lazy thinking that i've fallen into is almost a bit endemic of what's going on in the in in the industry do you know what i mean yeah i I think it's like um our sort of demographic as well maybe like we're more indoctrinated like there was a lot of young people in the cinema the other day and um like you know they are more environmentally aware naturally yeah than, than we are probably yeah like we've had to learn it later you know, so I think that that makes a difference. Oh, I was just going to pick up on the point that you know, for years the surf industry have been telling us that you know limestone neoprene is natural or it is green or it is you know a natural alternative. You know, and when you read this stuff about our stuff's responsibly sourced or it is environmental, you know, like limestone neoprene is it's ultimately made of chloroprene. Yeah. It's the same chemical. Yeah, yeah. But what they do is rather than, you know, drilling oil out of the ground, they just quarry limestone, then they melt it in a huge furnace at 2,000 degrees, 
and then they produce chloroprene from that. It's just a different way of producing chloroprene, and it's not even a more environmental way of producing chloroprene. It's still exactly the same, you know, base material that they're making the wetsuits from. Yeah. And so I think we've all been told that this is a natural alternative to to neoprene or a greener way of doing it. Yeah. And if you look on websites today, they will still be saying, you know, green wetsuits that are made with limestone neoprene. Yeah. But it's it's just chloroprene rubber. It's exactly the same thing. Could you... Talk, Chris, a little bit about this thread of um, environmental racism as the phrase that you use, Lewis. Like there was somebody in the audience last week that used the phrase ecocide, you know, mm. like, and, and this is a real theme of a lot of these big scandals, isn't it? You know, if you think of the DuPont scandal as well, like it's effectively like lower, lower income, um, yeah. ethnic minority communities tend to be the most affected by this. And I think... My understanding of American history is is is, is pretty rudimentary, but it, it did remind me of something like redlining. You, you know what that is mm. like, where yeah. effectively, let's put the black and the poor people in that shit part of town. Yeah. You know, like where and that and you know that was that that is a evidence base that that literally happened post Civil War reconstruction. You know, like. Mm. And that has had a huge impact in in the ability of those communities generationally to to get out of the situations that that they tend to find themselves in because of these systematic societal attempts to marginalise them essentially. And this squarely sits into that. You know, the I can't remember the the guy you were talking about in the film, Lewis. Um, but he he's talking about the fact that he built his house, American yeah. dream. You know, move there someone dumps a factory next to it and then he's mm-hmm. and then so can you can you talk a bit about that because obviously that must have been one of the most challenging themes to sort of sensitively deal with in this project and the the history there goes back further because the the pont chartrain works which used to be owned by dupont which is now owned by denker actually sits on um what used to be a slave plantation i mean which i mean that detail is just is just horrifying isn't it yeah and that was one of the biggest sugarcane producers in in america and um and then there was a there was a a a government initiative that allowed because black people could not get loans and they could not buy land and there was a government initiative that allowed people to buy a parcel of land if they built their own house right They, they called it sweat equity and that's what Robert did, and he built his own house. And then, because there were these large tracts of land, and the, the local government were trying to attract factories, they basically built these huge factories next to these people who had been told by the government, you can buy this land, and this land will be yours and your children's, and you can pass it down from generation to generation. And it was their chance of the American dream. Yeah, um, And... You know, when we spoke to people, they said when they built the plant, they bought out a lot of the rich white people. Yeah. And there was what Robert calls white flight, which is the white people left the area. And, and you know, it's basically now 93 or 96% black, the area, the, the neighborhood around, you know, predominantly low income. Um, and the other thing as well is that, you know, there did used to be another chloroprene plant in the US right in uh, Kentucky but it was closed down because it was in a white neighbourhood I was going to say like Beverly Hills <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, it, you know like the same but but what happened was you know I, I guess the, the white neighbourhood around that plant had more political clout the politicians were on their side and the plant was closed down whereas I think what this community has is even the local politicians don't appear to be on their side. Yeah. They appear to be on the side of the, you know, the chemical plants because of the supposed tax that they get from it, even though yeah. they're not a very big taxpayer. I mean, I think that's such a powerful part of this film because, you know, we're all basically benefiting from these kind of hidden hypocrisies, if you like, aren't we? You know, you know when this debate comes up and people are always like, I, you know, what what relevance does like the empire have to like modern day, or what re- what relevance does the civil war or slavery have today? Like, stop going on about it. That's the history, you know, blah blah blah. But if you look at this, 
like it or not, surfers have benefited from what happened there. From those decisions that were made that marginalised those communities, that has contributed to the fact that we're all gadding around in affordable, warm neoprene mm. and, and can do the sexy cold water surfing that's being marketed out. I mean, obviously yeah. you know this because that's the film that you've made, but you can't you can't hide from that. Like that that is that is a that's the fact of the matter. And it's and it's horrifying. And one of the things that, that Robert said to us was, you know, that when he was a child, when they used to go into a shop or if they saw white people, his mother would say to him, you know, don't ever look a, a white guy in the eye and don't ever look at a white woman. And and if he did, she would hit him and say, don't do that because there was a risk that he could be lynched. Emmett you know, Till. And... You know, Robert said he knew people who had been lynched as a child. Um, and this is the neighborhood that they... It wasn't an accident that they chose to put it there, you know, yeah. because this is a neighborhood where people have been told for years, you know, you do not have the same rights. And yet people like Robert and Letitia in the film have become activists. You know, they, they've stood up for their own rights. And I guess for us being white middle-class you know privileged people you yeah. know which is the majority of the surfing world you know we we will go out and go oh isn't this terrible you know or you know they they want to build an oil you know they want to drill for oil in the bite or you know they want to do all these things we're quite comfortable standing up for our rights but it's it's quite a step for you know the the minority population there to stand up to these huge multinational corporations which have a lot of money which have a lot of um you know they can afford to employ companies to do their pr they can afford to employ you know medical professionals who will come out and go it's your lifestyle that's causing cancer it's yeah. not the chloroprene that you're breathing you know but and yet they are standing up and they are trying to fight it yeah then you know you use fight for the bite as an example like and yeah, you know, it's more difficult for that constituency to end up metaphorically in the in the AGM of Equinor, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, whereas, like you say, it's it, that 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 protest. I'm not going to say it's easier, but it's more. The, the, it's certainly closer world, isn't it? Which is obviously what you're getting at. But on that topic, and and Lewis, like this is another thing that really interested me because you described to me that it was actually you basically didn't really have any support did you like initially um this is a fully independent film you know you both have have you know put your time and money into this to get this off the ground it's taken two three years am i right three but, years yeah since it started and i was quite su- well i guess i wasn't surprised really but you know for again for an industry that purports to have an interest in this and there's a lot of groups around let's be honest like in surfing who their whole shtick is you know you would this this type of thing but you you've kind of struggled to get any traction there support you know like what what do you account do you just think it was too uncomfortable a story initially do you think um well it's slightly different to that really matt it's we didn't like i certainly haven't really approached many brands about it or many like many people in surfing really because like I wanted to keep it independent you know yeah like it would be unlikely that someone who uses neoprene would back this film so that like instantly negates like 90% of surfing but if I got someone like say Patagonia you know who you know, if I approach them and ask them, would you back this film? Then it instantly has like a sort of vested interest. Yeah. Because they do use natural rubber. And I wanted to avoid that. So, like, I'd rather, you know, get it done, you know, by hook or by crook myself than, um, you know, have the sort of. So, I can, if anyone says, you know, this film is like an advert for Patagonia, you know, I can categorically say hand on heart, look yeah. them in the eye and say, well, it isn't. It's an independent film, um, you know. So that 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 was part of the reason why, because like, like I haven't approached anyone for funding. Mainstream funders, Chris looked into that a bit more. I don't know. Maybe Chris should probably talk about that. 
because yeah i mean this is i imagine there's been a a mission <laughs> financially it, it has. Fi- financially emotionally and and just in terms of like the time commitment that you've had to put into it you know you both got day jobs you both got things yeah. that, you, that you're doing so i mean it's been a number of years and um i did sit down with a number of production companies to discuss it and we had Lucy's original film and we had the concept of what we wanted to do um and a lot of them were very interested but then it would eventually go quiet right and um and i and in the end we financed it ourselves i mean i had a an old classic renault sitting in the garage and um i was like look this story needs to be told so the car went yeah i was inspired by a friend of mine actually who um who runs death skateboards um nicarecchio and i remember that when I, when he first started death he sold his car and and made some skateboard wheels yeah and i was like look if if nick can do that yeah yeah then i can do the same you know and i know lewis sold some lenses and we just basically put our money in the pot and yeah you know, went back out there um and yeah it I'd, it is an uncomfortable it it's one of the things demi says which is you know is this a popular story no it isn't but is this a story that we have to tell yes it is because it it Nobody's going to watch that film and feel good, you know. Nobody's going to come out of it and go, "Oh my god, that's amazing." Yeah, you know, it's an uncomfortable truth. Well, that's that, the power of it—the yeah. fact that it it in, it call, it clearly causes emotion. Yeah, and as a couple of filmmakers and journalists, I mean, you you should, I don't really sound patronising, but I said at the time you should be really proud of that. I think because it's not an easy thing to do, you know, like to 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 take an issue like this and pitch it in this way that that can cause that kind of righteous anger response you know and i think one of the things that we were well aware of and one of the reasons that we went to production companies was that we were aware that neoprene is not just used in wetsuits you know it's used in a lot of other products yeah and by a lot of other big brands and we thought if we can get surfing to change then we can get these other brands to change. And then that can positively impact these people's lives, you know, because I guess for years documentary crews have been through. And if you go online, you know, and Google Cancer Alley, you'll see there's been a lot of content about Cancer Alley. Yeah. Um, So people like Robert, I mean, Robert must have lost track of the number of interviews that he's done. Yeah. And I think Lewis and I were like, we don't want to go and interview Robert and then be those people that disappear. You know, we want to interview Robert and then be able to go back and go, look at what's happened. You know, the surf industry stopped using neoprene or has pledged to phase out neoprene within the next few years. And then hopefully that will roll on to the other big brands that are using it in running shoes and, you know, leisure wear. And, you know, it, it it's a bit like get the ball rolling. Yeah. And hopefully it can start to snowball and then other brands will start to look at what they're doing and, and make a commitment to change. And that's that's the hope then with this. That's that's cuz that was going to be my next question basically like what what are you kind of aspirations for this that it will start the kind of movement that you just described. Yeah, because I think that it's it's not like we went met these people, they had, you know, a horrible story. We came away, we told you the story. There is actually you know, there can be a happy ending which is there is an alternative available yeah. that we can buy for virtually the same price. I mean, one of the things, you know, like Lewis said, we've had access to people. I mean, surprising access in that, I think because we're all surfers and, you know, we're making a surfing documentary and it's about neoprene and people go, yeah, sure, you know, let's let's talk about it. And then so you start chatting about it and then they start telling you things. And at the end, Lewis and I would come off calls and we'd go, I can't believe they told us that. Right. You know, they would say, this is what we're paying for neoprene and this is what we're paying for Ulex. And the price difference was shockingly small. Right. You know, so it's not even like there's a huge profit argument for it. It's there's not there's not a, a huge difference in price, and they'd also say things like, "All our top athletes have worn Ulex wetsuits." So all the top surfers in the world have tried Ulex wetsuits, and they have said there is l- no difference between the Ulex wetsuits and the neoprene wetsuits that they wear. So the the barriers 
I know people are going to come back and they're going to go, Ulex isn't as good as neoprene. Or, yeah. But if you have the best surfers in the world wearing Ulex and wearing neoprene and turning around and saying there's no difference between the two and the price difference is very, very small, you know, what's the excuse for not making the change? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the most common question I got this week was where, where can I see the film? So what what's the next step? Back to Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the things, obviously, this it's it's been a challenging movie to make. It's taken a long time. One of the things we want to make sure we absolutely nail are things like um, our right to replies with the brands. Yeah. So we're just working through that at the moment. We've got post production, um, but because we've self funded this, you know, we've managed to get the film in the can. We want to do the post production. We want to do the score, which CJ Mirror is going to do, and the sound design. And then we want to get the film out to as many festivals and get it on as many screens as possible so people can see it. So we're going to do a crowdfunder to finance that part of the you know, process. So hopefully people will contribute. We've been looking at, we've spoken to a number of brands, um, you know, Finister, Patagonia, um, who are going to contribute product for our crowdfunder so people can get involved they can buy product that will then help to pay for the film yeah um so we should have that hopefully up and running by the time this goes out yeah uh we have a website the big c.org so you can go on there we've got a petition on there for, that people can sign up to and we're going to take that to the brands and we're going to show them that you know people want to make the change to ulex yeah um and also, I, I do want to say, we don't have a vested interest in Ulex. You know, it's like, it's, this is completely independent, but Ulex is, a, is out there and is available. Yeah. And people could make the change. Um, so we will be going to brands with the petition. Hopefully people will sign and support the, uh, the crowdfunder. Yeah. And Lewis, what are your hopes, just to wrap it, because we're, we're, that's an hour, went pretty quick. Um, what are your hopes when people see it? you know like when when consumers you know we talked at the beginning of the conversation about the kind of two constituencies like the consumers in the industry we've talked a lot about the industry but clearly the power of this to change it is in the hands of the consumers that are going to watch this you know the people are going to buy wetsuits the people that are like me last you know last month who had that choice and but you know in my case got a neoprene wetsuit but is that what this is about for you when it comes to the consumers that people are just more mindful of making like a more considered choice, a more informed choice. Yeah, I I just think it would be great if this film, which if it just affects people's like buying decision, like if they can make an informed decision, which for the last sort of thirty odd years I haven't been able to do. Um, you know, I just it. This film is just one part of like the campaign, which we hope we can like change the surf industry as far as wetsuits goes that Chris has just described the film's just like the starting um, you know it's kind of like opening shot, that's probably not the right expression but it's it's the um, the start of the conversation you know we do know it's going to be like a struggle to, to get change because they like we know they've known about it for a long time and they haven't you know they haven't made any change you know like Robert has done countless interviews, he's actually you know quite he's become like quite a, a respected activist there's a lady in it Sharon Levine she's just won an award like a prestigious activism award you know the, like these people have done a good job as activists but nothing's changed yeah you know like this company Denka are like I can't understand how entrenched their position is the amount of money they must have spent like it just I didn't, they must be making some profit on this product because the legal fees, the lobbying, yeah. you know, everything they've done, the bad publicity to, to defend this reprehensible practice that they've got going. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's you know, like, it's going to be a, a tough, a tough battle. But that's, like, kind of beyond my, like, you know, pay grade like I'm a surfer I just want surfing not to be getting like 
taken advantage of in this way yeah well and be complicit yeah which is yeah. what it comes down to isn't yeah. it yeah well the industry's complicit the consumer is being duped yeah and but but what this film makes quite clear is that after you've seen this if you're still buying it then you are complicit because you because i mean that's a harsh way of putting it but it is it's true but yeah, that's well the, that, that that's the other thing about this though isn't it you know you're just talking about the lobbying the money i mean it's it's, it's capitalism isn't it you know what this is also a story about capitalism this film you know like if you look at um the sacklers and oxycontin you know like what what if you look at i mean look at the world cup with qatar i mean it's a glib thing but you know what it's glib of me to bring it up in this context but not really because ultimately the controversy around the world cup in qatar is again it's about the fact that i use the phrase like hidden hypocrisies like it makes it puts that in plain sight you can't hide from it anymore can you you know it's like well, your lifestyle is kind of propped up by this mm-hmm. you know and it and this is this is another example of that you know this is why it's 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 powerful and for us fluffy surfers who are you know obviously left-leaning liberal good intentions it's it's hard to comprehend isn't it how like you could put profit above people literally dying of cancer but that is literally the way the world works isn't it yeah i think it's totally valid comparison i mean look at the way football caved in about an armband yeah exactly do you know what i mean that was just like like and like that's that was like a denker tactic that like making an announcement like an hour before exactly you? and it was it was you know you it was it was power mm-hmm. it was it was an expression of power and that's what's going on with with denker obviously and and the gaslighting of these activists it's that they have power and they and they're going to use that power to protect those profits come what may and you know the fact that to show surfing as you know i think complicit is is the right word industry like you say not consumers because i think you i think the way you put it is is fair that people just don't know about it but it is it is shocking when when you think about like we talked about at a couple of points in this conversation the prevailing conversation in surfing right now is oh you know let's think of the environment and let's think of this that and the other and this goes to show what a load of bullshit that is at the end of the day isn't it really well yeah it is i mean you know like the the greenwashing that's going on around surfing is like it's next level really you know, and i i i just you know i can't like reconcile it really you know like surfing's like given me so much and it's just it's like it's just awful to see it being like um you know, used in this way, like just to, to sell product that you don't actually really need. It's just like, you know, what do you need to go surfing? You need a wave, you need a surfboard, and if you're somewhere cold, you need a wetsuit. But you know, like you don't need to like you don't need to buy like you don't need to buy like the latest wetsuit every season. You know, they they just. I mean, I'm getting on to different topics now, but it's it's like the planned obsolescence of wetsuits and things like that. You know, you can't recycle a wetsuit. But the fact that at the end of the day, the main ingredient in the majority of wetsuits is directly causing like the worst rates of cancer in America. Um, it's just, you know, it's not the way that I would want want to go surfing you know and i think it just it we need to just get this out there and it's going to be uncomfortable we're probably going to get loads of criticism there's going to be loads of objections um most of which i, I don't think are valid but we'll see what comes there might be some new ones that we haven't had yet but it it's this this it's it's got this story needs to be out there i mean it's been blocked like surf media as well that's been so frustrating like people who I thought oh they're gonna they're gonna help us break this story they're gonna be on side it's just like like a closed door people who I've got like good relationships with who've got like really good media platforms just don't want to deal with this like I know I know it's inconvenient it's like it's inconvenient for us but it's like life or death for that community over there and it's it's just should be we should have some guts and just like face it and like deal with it and um 
make some progress on it because it could be done and you know the the only stumbling block is like money that's the bottom line you know it's about a dollar and uh you know when i go surfing i don't go surfing for a dollar you know like i go surfing to get away from all those sort of that sort of thing you know it doesn't like surfing and money for me like doesn't really mix you know it's like it's like a an escape from all the sort of hassles of life that you have and um it's been like i don't know up until now it's been quite frustrating quite worrying like you said at the very start um quite a stress about how it's gone down but to me that says it's a story that's worth telling and the reaction we got the other day has really like motivated me and like given me the sort of the impetus that like we're on the right track with it and that's you know that's why I'm super keen to get it out there yeah final words Chris just to wrap it what what would you like same question really you know if, if that, like I asked Lewis a couple of minutes ago what you're hoping that people that watch this film will take from it I mean I, I think that Chris Hines says in the film you know there's a danger that surfing will be left behind and all these other industries that are making a change that are going green that are you know understanding where everything's sourced are moving ahead of surfing which for me is like an anathema because you know I grew up thinking that we were all green we were all environmentally aware you know we go in the sea all the time you know we're in touch with nature and you know well, that's the dream, isn't it, that gets sold? It is. And the industry's very good at selling that dream, isn't it? Yeah. But I also naively thought that they were invested in it. You know, that you know, that the people who were the heads of brands were as you know, they always sold themselves as we're surfers too. Yeah. You know. You never thought, Oh well they're just capitalists trying to make as much money as possible. Although we all work in the industry and we know that there's definitely an element of that. But yeah. you kinda you didn't want to think that they would be going, oh, well, we're buying product from Cancer Alley or from a brand, you know, a company that has a factory in Cancer Alley. You know, for me, that's like, you know, what? Wh- where is surfing at if we're at that point? Yeah, what does it say? What does that say about surfing? Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess we've been through these kind of things before, like with the Clark Foam thing where, you know, Clark Foam closed down. There was a chance for the board industry to make a change and to go green. And there were these other ways of doing it. And yet, you know, a few years later, we're all still riding the same surfboards. Yeah. You know, and that was a missed opportunity. And I just don't want this to be a missed opportunity. I want us to be able to make that change and to to embrace something that I mean natural rubber it's like it comes from a tree <laughs> I mean what we put better than that yeah you know and we're wearing something that's either come out of the ground through an oil rig or has been melted in a furnace you know to p- basically produce oil whereas we could be wearing something that's come out of a tree and, and it keeps you just as warm and is just as good I mean that's like the whole ethos of surfing isn't it really yeah which yeah like we say theoretically yeah theoretically <laughs> yeah well thanks boys yeah and um yeah i mean i thought it was brilliant so i'm uh looking forward to see seeing the response thanks for that Matt. yeah no worries